0: Hello and welcome to episode 78 of the Arena Regulars podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Jeff. And we're your source for weekly drunken Magic the Gathering arena content. That's right. Just two
1: regular dudes drinking some irregular beers talking about Magic the Gathering, in particular the online client arena, and hey, maybe some big tournaments that happen to be played on that client.
0: Yeah, that's right. This last weekend was the new Capena Championship. We got to round out um, our World Championship slots, so all the players have been picked and we're going to break down the tournament a little bit, talk about some standard and historic. But first, each week we both bring a beer, we drink Jeff's, then drink mine, rate them on a scale of Bronze to Mythic, and choose the best for last. So with that, Jeff, what's on tap?
1: Well, last week we kicked off our tap takeover of Collective Arts. Had our good friend Ryan on the show. That was a lot of fun. And we're going to keep going with some Collective Arts brews. Uh, this time I've got Helly's Bach. It's a strong lager, lager. And it's seven <laughs> percent.
0: Strong lagger, like a, uh, yeah. <laughs> like in a game or something <laughs> where, where there's like <laughs> lag. <laughs> Sorry, that was that was me. Uh,
1: I'm the strong lagger. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and uh, yeah, the uh, the arc on this can has just or a can it's a bottle. What am I talking about? Yeah, lots of cool cats and flames and chains and birds and stuff. It's cool. I like it.
1: Yeah. And there's not too much else to say because the beer doesn't have any more information on it
0: so that's right so we have some (laughs) magic news this weekend uh that's coming up may 28th to the 29th is the qualifier weekend and the uh, best of three play-in event is the day before friday the 27th so if you want to play in the qualifier weekend and you're not qualified yet you still have a chance you can play phantom sealed yep and if you are planning on playing
1: in that qualifier weekend i just like to Quick PSA reminder, uh, you only have a two-hour window in the morning to join the event. This time, that's for both days. Um, so an arena opens, usually that's day one, you have all day, and day two, you have a two-hour window. On qualifier weekends, both days, two-hour window. Uh, so make sure that you get up. In time to actually play in the event if you're qualified and
0: want to play. Yeah, it would super suck if you spent your whole Friday trying to qualify and then slept through the window to, (laughs) you know, register your deck.
1: Yeah, it does suck when that happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: I wonder who who that happened to. Um, Anyway, this week we do have some Twitter tweets. Woo! Boy, was Magic Twitter just on fire this weekend.
1: Back to its old self. Yeah, yeah.
0: it's it's nice. Um... (laughs) Of course, it's like a, the new Capena Championship, so everyone's talking about that. But because of all the world slots finally finding their place among players, um, this was kind of a lot of players' last chance to uh, find their glory or, you know, see uh, see what the world is going to look like. And not everyone was all that happy about it. Yeah, turns out the way that they're picking world championship slots, uh, you know, doesn't always make sense, you know, why would it? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Wait, it's just the players who win the most, right?
0: Well, um, yes, but kind of. There are some parameters. Uh, So to my knowledge, uh, basically the the players that are are invited to the World Championship is the player who won the World Championship last year, Huda Takahashi, and then the top six players from each of the championships. So that means we have uh, three different championships, so that's uh, 18 players through there, so that's 19 altogether. And then there are the top league players. There are one, two, three, four, five spots for the top league players, and then everything else are for the top challenger players. I'm just going to say it. PVDDR was fairly uh, pissed about this. Um, (laughs) He wrote a bit of a note, uh, and he brought up a lot of good points that seemed to be like, yeah, wait, this doesn't really make a ton of sense, where um, depending on your... Your, your win rates and some different things, you get a, a point, uh, like a score allotted to you. And uh, basically, he was frustrated that, uh, well, he had seen some people who were in Worlds that uh, he had won eight more matches than them. Um, players that they, you know, PV and these players have both played in all the different tournaments. They're in the same tournaments. PV did better than a bunch of them, and he's not in Worlds. I can see how that could be really frustrating. And, well, it just seems like the system is rigged against you.
1: Yeah, and eight is a lot. <laughs> like, they, there's only three tournaments, right? And there are mm-hmm. 15 matches each. To win eight more matches is like a whole half tournament yeah. better than somebody. <laughs>
0: um. <laughs> but that's rough. Especially when he was, like, on the top. Like, he finished second, right? Uh, last year in, in mm-hmm. league play. So for someone to win second in league play and then have wished that they weren't in the league so that their performance would have been graded easier to get into Worlds seems like something's something's off.
1: Right, and I think that's at the heart of his criticism, which mm-hmm. is totally fair, which is just that it was a disadvantage to be considered one of the best players, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of ridiculous when you know he was a league player and there were fewer league slots and it also meant you were competing for those same slots against other league players and so by virtue of being in the league he had a lower shot at getting into worlds and that doesn't make sense when you're trying to build a tournament full of all of magic's best players (laughs) it doesn't make a ton of sense to penalize the best players yeah and make it really difficult for them to get in
0: so that was frustrating um also, the <laughs> I just want to talk about all the bad stuff first so we can get to the good stuff later because that's what oh, I really yeah. want to talk about. But uh, obviously, these are like the elephant in the room that was all over Twitter. So uh, this tournament also had a lot of like disconnects all throughout the weekend and basically the statement from Wizards was, that's your fault, um, which it always, you know, <laughs> if it happens to everyone all over the world, um, it might have something to do with the client, you know, Um, especially when it happens in the top eight, like that's not good. Um, and it did. Uh, so that sucks. Um, when somebody disconnected in the top eight. Yeah. Only for like a minute and a half or so, but they lost that on their clock and they ended up losing to time because they didn't have time. Yeah. And so there were some screenshots that are pretty rough that you're like, oh man, yeah, you definitely would have won if you just got to play that minute and a half, um, the the first round of this tournament had three players who were awarded buys, which is weird. Yeah, so you
1: should never have more than one. <laughs>
0: yeah, because the... <laughs> like,
1: the reason to have one is that there's an odd number and everyone else gets paired. There's no reason to have three.
0: <laughs> yeah. They got one part right. They did have an odd number, so... Right. At least it wasn't oh. two players. <laughs> that would yeah. have been bad. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, there's also some weird stuff from other tournaments where two players played each other and through some weird disconnects, they were both awarded a win because of something. And uh, that ended up changing who would be in Worlds or not. It, it didn't look great. Um, but, uh, but besides that, the gameplay, phenomenal. I- <laughs> yes,
1: I enjoyed the tournament and I just was kind of watching on my own. I didn't know any of this was going on. So, that was, like, stuff I found out afterwards.
0: I I learned about most of it afterwards as well. So, Um, yes. But, so, now, yeah, let's get to the good stuff. Let's just talk about the tournament and things we liked because, you know, the other stuff happens and it sucks and I really don't think it should happen, but this is one of the last major, like, pro tours that is going to be on uh, digital. So, that's another weird criticism that this wouldn't happen in paper, but... Uh, pairings get screwed up in paper all the time, so, I don't know. Paper
1: comes up with its own whole host of stuff, like,
0: oh man,
1: if you've ever been at a tournament that needed to be repaired, like a Grand Prix or something, it's such a nightmare. You're, you're there for hours, and nothing's happening. Yeah. It sucks.
0: And, like, (laughs) you have to, you know, slow play is a problem, which we don't have that on Arena, but... Because there's the rope, at least. Anyway, let's not talk about that. I don't want to get into all of that. Maybe we'll do an episode one time about uh, tournament play in digital versus paper. But um, we are going to talk about this tournament. And uh, you know, should we just like? There's no spoilers in sports, so we might as well just say who won the tournament because we could just get it right out of get it out of the way, right? Right? Uh, right? Quick? Right? Quick? What? I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I thought I, I had a
1: pretty good idea who won the tournament before you'd even watching the top eight. As soon as I saw that uh, <laughs> that Jan was in the top eight, I was like, oh, well, he's probably going to win because yeah. he seems to just win everything all the time. Uh, but congratulations to Jan Mo- Merkel. Had, like, an unbelievable two year. Didn't he come back to Magic, like, two years ago or something? Yeah. Won I- that event, and then has just been crushing it ever since.
0: Yeah, basically... Um... 16 years ago, Jan had won, gone to his first tournament and won, and then uh, 16 years later he's oh, it was he's a pro back. tour. I it think. was a pro tour. Yeah, he yeah. got uh, <laughs> <laughs> he got to his like first, or it was his first top finish, and then he won it. And then 16 <laughs> years later, he's back winning it again. So uh, really, very impressive. That's that is stuff of like legends, uh, being able to yeah. to take it, time off and come back and, and do it again. So damn. Uh, super exciting with a really fun deck too. Let's just talk about, let's talk about who was in the top eight and what decks they were playing because it is a much different than what I was thinking, um, going into this and playing standard for the last few weeks. Uh, some of these are just like, oh, nice. It just felt, it felt (laughs) healthy to me. Do you know what I mean? It felt like a healthy top eight.
1: Yeah, I was really happy, really happy to see this top eight, um, so yeah, Jan, Jan Merkel won the event, and he was on Jeskai Hinata in Standard, and Rakdos Arcanist in Historic. Yeah. Uh, so neither of those, I don't even think, were really on the map for the metagame <laughs> coming in.
0: No, I don't even... Uh, yeah, let's see. So the the main deck coming into this, this weekend for, for Standard, what everyone brought, was Esper Midrange, which was 34.5% of the field, which... It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. Um, And, you know, he's just playing the other deck in Standard, the (laughs) other portion.
1: Yeah, his deck would definitely be labeled under other uh, in the metagame breakdowns. Yeah.
0: He was also the eighth seed of the top eight. So um, the seventh seed was Carl Sarap, um, Mm -hmm. uh, who was playing Jund Midrange in Standard and Celestina Humans in Historic. Um, More like... Jun range, but like different builds than what I was thinking they were going to be, which was really cool.
1: Yeah, so we talked a little bit about this last week, but basically, we were kind of saying that Obnixilus shouldn't really be put into these Jun decks that he was putting in. Like, I think too many people got wide-eyed at the idea of copying an Obnixilus token with uh, Asika's Chariot, when it's like, if you want to play Obnixilus, you need a really aggressive deck, and so... This deck is a little slower and doesn't play Obnixilisk. It just plays, like, some underrated Jund cards that uh, people hadn't really been exploring. Uh, so I was really happy to see this because we basically talked a little bit about this, the potential of this being a real deck, of just playing Jund, don't play Obnixilisk, play, like, mm, Riveteer's Charm instead. And uh, that's what Carl seemed to agree with, just play some of the heavy hitter, like, Riveteer's Charm, Unleash the Inferno... Of slower mid rangey cards,
0: you're welcome. All the pro players, for, <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure
1: <laughs> Carl listened to this podcast, was like, God damn, they're right,
0: <laughs> they are right. Um, yeah. would you just cool? There's another player that brought Jund mid range as well. Um, which I'm just jumping around now, who's the fifth seed, uh, Shota Yasaoka. Not surprising to see him in the top eight at all. He is just a monster. He, uh <laughs> He's, he's already qualified right didn't he, he already qualified yeah. in like the yeah, Innistrad exactly. championship and so yeah. he's just like oh okay I'll top this top eight this well, one as be, well. because he
1: he didn't finish in the top six of this one so he didn't get his invite from this tournament yes to, he already had it or he is a top league player I guess no wait
0: he made the top eight and then he he ended up missing it And he was just, he he got the top league spot. That's what it is. Right, yeah, (laughs) because
1: you didn't top six this event. It's this weird thing where, like, top eight doesn't guarantee you the world slot. you had to top six. So you basically had to win a match in top eight, Mm -hmm. which Shota was unable to do. But it's not surprising at all to see Shota in the top eight with a deck that's clearly completely of his own build and no one else is playing anything like it. Um, so this is Gen Midrange again, but it's very different than Carl's take. Uh I'm liking these three main deck copies of Ginny Faye. That's in right. Second. <laughs> what did I
0: tell you? Uh, <laughs> I told you.
1: Worth a slot. You showed yeah, showed approved. Sh- See, they've obviously listened to different episodes of our podcast. Um but the wombo combo with black market tycoon, uh, Zeatora, the incinerator. I never actually saw Zeatora come down and make like three creatures off Virginie, but, um, that's a thing that this deck can do <laughs> conceivably. Um, and just a lot of like classic show to stuff, one duress main deck, you know, like one ray of enfeeblement to kill, uh, some of those white creatures that everyone's playing. Um, One Helena and Elena, just like, yeah, this is a deck that a lot of people are going to copy because it's sweet, realize they're not as good as Shota Yasuoka and switch to another deck, but I'm going to have some fun.
0: I am one of those players. I've been playing this deck because I saw the Ginny Fae and I was like, ooh, baby, I want (laughs) to see if I can get this to work. It is very difficult and confusing. (laughs) (laughs) The amount of times where you're like, you make a bunch of tokens and you're, you're like, okay, what do I want? Do I actually want the treasure? <laughs> maybe I do want a 3-1 dog, but maybe I need a, a hasty cat. I don't even, and it gets so confusing. <laughs> Especially because like yep. you have too many things triggering all the time. Um, but he watching him play it was so cool. And I just love, you know, you always love to see some some different stuff. So again, this top eight, even though they're jund jun- range, they're completely different decks.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, but I I was actually rooting for him, so it was sad to see him take the early exit out of the top eight because yeah. I saw that deck and was like, now I want Shota to win. Uh, so we skipped over who'd we skip over here? The fourth, the sixth seed, uh, Simon Nielsen. Simon Nielsen. Uh, I always love to see stuff like this in the top eight because Simon Nielsen is a player I have lost to personally. Mm-hmm. So when they top eight, you know, I feel vindicated for having lost to them. Um, He was on Esper Midrange in Standard and Celestia Humans in Historic. So I wanted to say Simon was like the bad guy in the top eight because he brought the deck that everyone knew was the best deck. But the whole time he was playing, he had some music in or something, and he was just jamming. And so it it was impossible to hate on him. And he just had a big smile the whole time. So... Uh, I also found myself rooting for Simon because it's just, like, hard not to with his uh, energy that he was breaking. Exactly. Uh, but in terms of his standard deck, yeah, it's, it's Esper.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it is very much that, but um, it was fun to watch... Uh Watch him kind of jam out or just like have big reactions to cards. and like, you know, waiting to see what they play. He's like, ah, now they had it. Yeah. Or like his spells on the stack and he's like waiting. He's like, ah, dang it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) It just made you feel like magic is still fun. You know, even though it's really intense, it feels like he was having a good time. Uh, Even though he uh, didn't end up taking it down. He went all the way and, uh, you know, got to be in the title match. So uh, you got to be happy for that.
1: Yeah. He had a great, obviously a great tournament. And a lot of fun.
0: So, in the fourth seed is Mike Segrist. Uh Always fun to see him here too, uh, playing Grixis Vampires, which is like the Channel Fireball deck uh, that a lot of people were playing. Um, and uh, I think Kai Buddha was playing it, and he he had kind of mentioned like, oh, you know, it says Grixis Vampires, but it's it's really just a Grixis like deck. It's it's Grixis mid range, but um, I guess it has vampires in it, so you can call it that. But I mean. The big reason, I mean, I uh, yes, Kai, I, I agree with you. That does make sense. <laughs> um, but when they were playing the, uh, a lot of the lists were playing, what's her face? The freaking, specifically Kai's list, because it looks like uh, Mike was, oh no, he is, Evelyn. Evelyn the Covetous.
1: Evelyn the Covetous, yep.
0: This is the card that's like, well, this is what makes it vampires, because all your card advantage is off of playing vampires, so... I think it's fair to call this deck vampire. I think it's pretty I mean, fair. It has, what? I
1: know it has like 12 Vampires in it, which mm-hmm. I guess is Kai's objection. But hey, it has a Sorin. Okay, so it'd be sort of like 13. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that's still more Rogues than Rogues played.
0: <laughs> yeah, so there you go. Um, this was another deck that seemed pretty sweet. And uh, I love seeing Corpse Appraiser just like do some work, man. That card's so annoying. Um, especially when you're using uh, Fable of the Breaker to keep using it to just get more card advantage. You're just like, oh gosh. Uh, another right. deck that when yeah. I watched them play, I was just like, this looks like a deck that would be fun.
1: Totally. And, and Corpse Appraiser is sort of like a big part of it is just so many people are playing, you know, one for one removal or stuff that it just gets its value on the way in and it dodges a few of the more common spells. Like, that's the big thing about Evelyn, I think, is mm-hmm. that all of the most common removal spells are, uh, or the most common one is Voltage Surge at the moment, which actually can't kill Evelyn because it has five toughness.
0: And Ray of Enfeeblement, it's not white, <coughs> and doesn't have uh, yeah, toughness, but
1: right. And then obviously the um, Vanishing, Vanishing Burst. Burst doesn't get it either. And so basically, if you don't, if you don't just like foolishly attack into the Wandering Emperor with it, it's very hard to get rid of because even Meat Hook Massacre, you got to get it up to five to get which this thing off the
0: table. You so. need some treasures, or it costs a lot. You're going to wait too long and won't be able to get it. And um, you're hoping you have an Infernal Grasp or something, uh, which a lot of decks have, like, a one-of. So
1: This deck just looks like a really sweet metagame call. Like, they mm-hmm. just noticed there was a lot of room, like, to take advantage of the removal suite people were playing. You know, Mike was able to do that to great effect.
0: Mm-hmm. This is another one of those decks where it looked like, you know a lot of these cards are in these um, Obnixilus decks, and they're just, like, not playing Obnixilus. So, spoiler alert, there's, like, no Obnixilus anywhere, even in... Right. I mean, there's, like, obviously... So the deck you were talking about last week is, like, playing a very low-to-the-ground Rakdos deck is really where it wants to be, and I think everyone agrees with you. Um, Obnixilus is not not worth not it like everywhere. A mid-range. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not, so a not mid-range. Yeah, slow
1: mid-range cards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they're, part of the issue is it, it kind of gets cleaned up a little bit too easily by uh, Rafine. Mm-hmm. So it's just like it doesn't end up being that good against the, ca- the particular card that was sort of public enemy number one. Yeah. And so I think as the metagame evolves around a bit here, aggro comes a bit more to the forefront. We'll probably actually see Omnixus like rotate back in. but. People were just super high on the card because it's obviously very powerful. It reads really well. Yeah. And then people were just slamming it into everything. Then they realized it was not that good in everything. Uh, we we didn't have another Oko on our hands. And, you know, magic community likes to overreact, so now Obnixlisk is unplayable, um, unplayable trash that I <laughs> can't believe Wizards even bothered to print. Uh, but, uh, you know, a week ago it was... Can't believe they printed that should be banned, but I think it'll sort of find a middle middle ground where it's just good in certain decks. Yeah, which that brings us to uh, you know speaking of Esper, the Esper uh, enemy, uh, the third slot, uh, the third uh, seed was Zachary Kini, uh, also just been having an unbelievable year since we've been tracking. Like I think he just oh his always his name always seems to be up and around these uh, these top finishes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he brought Esper midrange. I believe he was working with Simon Nielsen, so I don't. They might even have the same exact seventy five. Um, but they, those were the two players that brought that and top aided, and then Golgari food in, in historic. So Zach just likes to take the best deck, learn how to play it and do really well, I guess. That's kind of his MO, apparently.
0: Seems to be working well, because he qualified for Worlds in the Innistrad Championship, so this was just, you know, extra. Hey, I'll just... You know, hey, if we can have more people who have already qualified for Worlds get into the top eight, and then they can just, you know, give the other players their invites, because obviously you can't be invited twice, so if you take an invite, it just gets passed on down to somebody else. Um, Fun to... Yeah. Towards the end of the weekend, a lot of people were rooting against certain people, and then started rooting for them. So, like, no, if you do really exactly. well, then a new invite comes down to my bracket. So, I really hope that that works out. <laughs> exactly.
1: <yeah. laughs>
0: the second seed was Hisamichi Yoshigoe, and he was playing a Naya mid range deck in Standard and Bractos Arcanist in Historic. This, love it. I love these decks. Like. <laughs> I've never seen this deck before, really. Like, it has a lot of the cards that we like. Like, obviously, Fable of the Mirror Breaker. Playing Luminarch Aspirant, Legion Angel is one of my favorites. Wandering Emperor and Wedding Announcement. But then there's like Sanctuary Wardens here. We're playing some Workshop War Chief, which I actually really like. That card's a lot of fun. Um, I uh, yeah, I'm I'm down for that. So again, just playing a bunch of like all the good cards. Just just quality cardboard. And, um, you know, Gallagreeders, I'm still, Gallagreeders is going up on my list of, of cards I like.
1: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Gallagreeders four of in this deck and, uh, Shoto was, was playing a couple as well mm-hmm. to combo with his Ginny. Yeah. This deck, a little more aggressive than some of the other, some of the other mid-range decks. Um, kind of like a Naya tokens list almost. Yeah. Yeah. Really cool to see this deck do well, uh. Kisumichi also was very fun to watch very animated player and he had I'm not exactly sure what it was but it was some sort of card it, it was like bright blue and, and or yellow or something and whenever he needed to draw something in particular he'd hold that card up to the camera and just <laughs> hope and then, and then he'd top deck the land he needed and he'd like celebrate
0: that's nice that's yeah. it's just he every time that like the the coverage would end up like cutting out on their actual like cameras, it was always such a bummer. Like, it's just, like, oh, it's just their picture of them standing there, you know? And, like, yeah, I'm sure yeah. it's, like, whatever, <laughs> server issues, or they're through Discord and through and streaming and blah, 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 blah. But, like, man, it did it really... It was such a difference being able to see their faces, like, that day, you know? For sure. Uh. And,
1: and Hisamichi played uh, against Mike Sigrist. I think he eliminated Mike Sigrist before... Uh, getting beat by simon nielsen himself and that was one of the best matches that i saw in the whole event because game two was just crazy they just basically both mid-range decks traded out all their resources and then they just both top deck non-stop gas for like eight minutes <laughs> <laughs> And then eventually mike won that game um but had used up so much time and hisamichi had won game one that i think mike ended up clot like timing out in game in the last game oh. um
0: so many That game was
1: just so crazy because I think Mike top decked like an annul, which counters most of Hisamichi's deck. But then Hisamichi mm-hmm. like straight ripped all of his Galagreeters, basically. And Mike's just sitting there with his annul as these Gallagreaters <laughs> are getting massive. And then he top decks the one of Legion Angel, which is like a draw four, that of which can be countered by annul. <laughs> <laughs> but then Mike's like, you know, top decking cards to draw more cards and then finds, you know, uh, meat hook massacre to like wipe the board, and then finds the mind flare to steal one of the big galagreeders, and like, it was just a crazy back and forth where I thought one player was dead to rights at least like eight different times, and it just kept going <laughs> back and forth. Uh, and he's with his crazy reactions it was really fun to watch during that yeah uh, that game. And there was one point where he wasn't sure if he was supposed to play out his wandering emperor main phase uh, to play around it. A- Counter magic, or uh, hold like save it to play against around the possibility of two removal spells. That was basically he wasn't sure what Mike was holding, and at one point he just looks at the camera, shrugs his shoulders like I don't, I don't know, and then he just plays it main face, <laughs> 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 and then Mike likes Mike like cracks all three of his blood tokens to find ends up finding two removal spells, kills the two things, and attacks the. Wandering Emperor, you just see his his face like eh. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I knew it was a possibility. <laughs> what are you gonna do? I really wasn't sure which one was right. I this is the one I did. <laughs> 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 it was just really fun to watch, to watch him play like, uh, like you were saying.
0: It, like that is the kind of stuff that like, it's. It, I think it's the thing that people have talked a lot about of like missing the gathering of magic right and. If you were on Arena and it also had, like, a weird um, webcam function where you just, like, can talk to your opponent, like, face-to-face, I wonder if that would... Maybe let's let's not go on a big tangent right now, but um, (laughs) that seems like a way that you could talk to your opponent without it getting so toxic because you are face-to-face with them and you can't say the most heinous shit because, like, they're looking at you. Anyway. Yeah. um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but then do I want to look at all my opponents? Not really. <laughs> anyway. Um, uh, but uh, coming into the end, or the beginning, I guess, the uh, the first seed for the tournament, or sorry, the top eight, uh, is David Inglis. And he's the one who ended up having to... Um, he got timed out and fell from the, the winner's bracket down to the losers and was uh, kind of apologized to all his fans, saying, I don't think I'm going to be able to get there after that. But... Um, he was playing Jeskai Storm and Standard and Golgari Food and Historic. And again, I don't know. Have you played against this Jeskai Storm deck a lot? I felt like I haven't really seen it very much at all. I saw it occasionally it was kind of like a
1: deck on the start of this formats tur- tournament scene that you'd run into just because it was sort of a known quantity before. So this deck's been around for a while, just the Goldspan combo deck, and then people were like, oh, well, now that I have eight copies of my best card, Instead mm-hmm. of just the usual four, it makes sense to give it a go.
0: You're talking about big um, score and unexpected windfall, yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, but David Inglis has been doing really well in the past few years, and it's. I feel like he's always been on an is it like an is it um, deck like this? Mm-hmm. Like I remember he really burst onto the scene with that uh, mutate combo deck that was basically the same thing, right. <laughs> um, And that's when like that team brought this that deck and put that deck on the map, and so I think he's just been playing Goldspan Dragon combo control decks for years and just kick, you know, even if it's not necessarily that good right now, he's gonna crush you with it.
0: Yeah, because really this deck like what it got from this new set is big score, and then everything else
1: big score. I think maybe he plays Voltage Surge. Uh, which I guess isn't even new Capena. So yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: um, so I think that's. Oh, they have one copy of the All Seeing Arbiter in the um, in this sideboard, but um, right. but besides I'm that, not it's sure just what that's for. But. Uh, I don't really know. Um, to be fair, I don't even really remember what that card does, but <laughs> it has too many words on it. Um, but no, I thought uh like it was a pretty big uh percentage of the metagame in this tournament. It was thirteen point five percent of the metagame, with uh uh this it's the same percentage as Naya runes, and Naya runes, you know, just not getting there, man. It's just two tournaments in a row, it's just getting beat up on. Sad. <laughs> not nearly yeah. as bad as, <laughs> as as uh Kamigawa, but um still uh still not making it. Um but uh yeah, I thought it was cool. I it's fun to see, you know. Uh, when (laughs) we saw that card show of confidence come out in Strixhaven, I remember thinking that that card uh, seemed kind of cool, but just like not good at all. And I just love to see it in a deck that's like, you know what, we can actually play this card. You know, it's, uh, it's good (laughs) and we can storm off for real and like actually kill you. Um, I like that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely
1: interesting. I've seen versions that don't even bother to play it and just play straight blue red because once you really get going. You're going to get to play through your whole deck, but I, I assume it probably is better than playing like, you know, the half-assed uh, extra turn card there, because <laughs> that's how, usually how they used to kill you, was yeah, like, the... that extra turn card that is like the worst one, but it's all you got. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, Yeah. But anyway, it was, a, it was a good tournament as far as all the gameplay goes and all the, the games were great to see. Uh, it's still fun to see all the players. So I really hope that we get some really good coverage of this, this, uh, these paper pro tours now that we're going back to them. Um, and I am excited for the world championship, even though it uh, might be like six months away or something. So uh, by the time it rolls around, it might feel a little stale or weird, but um, i uh still excited. We might, Jeff, we might have to uh, draft players for just the world championship every year. Who knows? That, uh, yeah, we could do that. That might yeah. be a, a little bit more... Uh, more uh i don't know feasible
1: yeah so you talked about the breakdown a little bit in standard being mostly what we expected with the exception of this blue red uh t- like combo deck mm. that was like the breakout um, deck yeah but as as often happens in these big events the the good decks didn't do well so nai runes mm. and esper both coming in like sub 45 percent i'm looking at like uh mtg meta breakdown that splits up esper midrange and esper tempo and stuff but uh, so i don't know what the official wizards ones were Uh, but all of the blue red control decks so we have jeskai combo is it control jeskai control all seem to do really well um the grixis deck that you know this super team brought did well but i assume that's just because has like the best players in the world playing it but essentially, you know, Naya Runes, like you said, got dunked on. And then uh, Esper also didn't do that well. And Esper is sort of considered the the top deck to beat. So this just goes to show that the meadow maybe wasn't as soft as uh, some people were complaining. That, uh, you know, that it's a mid-range. Because it can happen when it's a mid-range fest. You know, mid-range is the best thing to be doing. Mm-hmm. There's just going to be a best mid-range deck. But... It seems like that's just not really the case. Jury is still out. And people were saying you can't play control. And then all these blue red players came in with what are essentially control decks. and, And what? Yeah. Did really well. They didn't win the. I guess I guess you could call Jan's deck a control deck. I don't know.
0: I would say so. I, it's a deck that uh, I can't play very well. <clears throat> so I usually <laughs> say that those are control decks. Um, so that
1: it's either like aggro, midrange, or control. It's mm-hmm. a deck I can't play very well.
0: It's, <laughs> one, of it's one of those three. I don't know. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, like we didn't talk a ton about Jan's deck, and he's the one who won. Um but uh, it's the Hanada uh, combo stuff, um, which you know. Hey, the I want to. I just want to say, of that deck, whenever I play against it, the card I hate the most is March of Swirling Mists. That card <laughs> fucking sucks when you when you're playing against Hanada because it doesn't fucking matter what you got; <laughs> they just phased out all the time.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's like one mana, right? It's
0: one mana phase out. How many targets you want? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which usually is, like, everything, just be, to be safe.
1: But I feel like if I played this deck, I would just draw a bunch of, like, March of Swirling Mists, and I would just be stalling, dirtling for time, not really accomplishing that much. Yeah, know? yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so it's definitely, could that's something that can happen. Um, yeah, I think the only thing to call out, you know, uh, this top eight, it seems to... Uh, it seems to justify, you know, something we've been saying for a while, that uh, Fable of the Mirror Breaker might be the best card in Standard. And, boy, were there a lot of Fable of the Mirror Breakers in this tournament. A lot.
0: A lot, a lot. <laughs> we didn't count, um, but we're, we're thinking it's just about, you know, the most copies you could have. <laughs> Um,
1: yeah. So the world, it's there were two Espers, So mm-hmm. I'm assuming that it's twenty. Uh, what would that be? Like thirty two minus eight, so twenty four. Because there were six red decks, and I'm I'm sure that the six red decks all played four, four of in record, yeah. But.
0: but I also want to say, you know, if they were playing a red deck in um, historic you know i think these arcanist decks are probably playing uh oh, copy. True, the, copies. the top 8
1: might have had like 40 <laughs> copies or something. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> so um anyway. Woof. <laughs> yeah, it's um it's a lot, but uh anyway, Jeff. Another championship down. Worlds is on the horizon, but we still have a chance to be a part of it this weekend. Um i won't have any time cuz i have to work my freaking job, but Hopefully all of you out there uh, can get into this qualifier weekend and you can qualify for a pro tour and then uh, maybe you'll be in the world championship. Who knows? Yeah. Good luck. You could be one of those challengers uh, that uh, wins less games than PV but still go to worlds.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, that could be you. That could be you.
0: This is a good thing <laughs> for us. It's a bad thing for and PV but it's a good thing right. for us.
1: And then you'll do well in that worlds event and then you'll see what PV means about how hard it is to, yeah. to, to do to get there after you've made it. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to, before we hop on to beer break and into historic and all that, just wanted to end our discussion of you know top eight and standard in this event with a couple of funny stories that I heard during the broadcast about the players okay so apparently, Jan Merkel was sure that he did not make top eight and was in bed when his mother in- law who was watching the stream informed him that he made the top eight. <laughs> <laughs> And so he had to get... Because one of the things about these events, uh, they're kind of intended time-wise for Americans. Um, Like I remember Shota Yasuoke, it was like 5 a.m. for him when he was playing the Top 8, and he didn't even make it that far. It could have been even worse. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what time it would have been in Germany when they were announcing the Top 8, or if, if this was like the same night or like the next morning when he had to actually play or something. But yeah, apparently the winner of the event almost slept through the top eight. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that's amazing. The <laughs> See, it can happen to everybody. It can happen to yeah. anybody. That's
1: right. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> uh, Jan, I think you owe one to your mother-in-law there on, on that one. Uh, and the other funny story was um, how Hisamichi uh, qualified. Uh Apparently, he had no idea he was playing in a qualifier. He just wanted to play Magic that weekend, and he put together his Naya deck and jumped into a qualifier tournament. And then he won the whole event, and <laughs> everyone started, like, congratulating him on Twitter and stuff. And he was like, for what? And they're like, well, now you're you're qualified for the new Capenna Championship. So then he had to, like, change his plans and play in this tournament because he didn't realize that he was <laughs> qualified for it. <laughs> <laughs> and now he's... Uh going to Worlds. Yeah, he's I mean, going so. to worlds.
0: <laughs> I hope he knows he's going to worlds now. Yeah, um, yeah. Someone should tell him yeah, just yeah. To be safe. <laughs> if you can tweet out to Hisumichi just to tell him, hey, you're going to Worlds. Um uh, yeah. br- just take off that week. Um <laughs> that's so funny. Oh my god.
1: <laughs> but apparently Hisumichi's only been playing Magic for like two years.
0: That's crazy. I can't. Yeah. That is insane. I just don't see, like, there are a few Japanese players that are, have done that. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. And
1: just love to see him, you know, do it with his own deck list, too. That's yeah. just, that just makes it that much better, you know? Because that's like the dream. The person who just plays Arena, builds their own deck, jumps into a random tournament. Next thing you know, they're qualified for Worlds. That's like yeah. the dream that Arena is selling to you. And it <laughs> happened. She took them up on it, yeah.
0: That's that that's really what what is telling you that you should play this weekend because holy moly. Yeah.
1: But yeah, I thought those would just be some fun stories to end on before we uh, dive into to historic here after the break.
0: Those are great. I didn't hear about either of those. So I'm so happy you shared them <laughs> with me. And uh, with that, let's go to a beer break. This Beer Break is brought to you by our patrons over on Patreon.
1: That's right. You're already supporting the show just by being a listener, but if you want to support the show even more, the Patreon, well, that's the best way to do that.
0: And when you become a patron, you get an exclusive invite to our After Party, which is a mini episode recorded immediately after this one where we, uh, you know, talk about some other stuff. Plus, you get to vote on which one of us
1: should be in the World Championship over Apollo by buying either Mia Beer.
0: Or Mia Beer. So go to patreon.com slash arena regulars to vote on who you want to see in the world championship. Nice. Got that good bottle sound.
1: Yeah. Speaking of which, what we got?
0: This is Collective Arts Outer Edges. It's their Polish potato pilsner. It's 5.2%. And uh, it has a a picture of, of like, a sad woman on it who's thinking about something. It's kind of like a crude... It's not very crude, but it's like a... Oh, I guess it's, it's like a woman who may also be a clown that has very long eyelashes and, like, rosy cheeks and is crying. And then there's this bubble next to them that seems to have a bunch of, like... Hash marks on it. That's an
1: apt description, yeah.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't understand what that means exactly, but um uh potato pilsner, that sounds cool. <laughs> Do
1: you think she's upset that there's potato in her pilsner? Is that oh no. Is that the message?
0: She's upset that she's not drinking this potato pilsner, that's what it is.
1: I see, because she's she can't because she's on the bottle.
0: hmm She will never get inside inside of it. Wonderful. All right. Must be it. Let's talk about some historic and the historic metagame for this tournament. Oh, well, I want to say that um, historic has changed uh, just immensely, and, and New Capena just changed the whole <laughs> landscape, and historic's a new world. Um, but I can't because it, everything seems to be fairly uh, the same. Yeah, and I think some people were
1: probably listening to our top eight uh, when we were talking about a wide array of deck lists, and then they're like, wait a minute. I've only heard, like, three different historic decks there. Um, Or four, I guess, but...
0: Yeah, we may have uh, forgotten to say some of the deck lists that are top eight played, but, eh, (laughs) that's okay. Um, (laughs) I know I did. Uh, But... uh, no
1: they could just... uh, We assumed that they already knew, so, you know, if you didn't hear us say it, it's because it was already listed previously as one of the top eight decks. Yeah,
0: see, there you go. Um, So uh 30.9 of the field played is it phoenix
1: uh yeah 30.9 percent on is it phoenix which as as you've sort of alluded to that's a, a known quantity in the format People yes can, anytime you fire up historic you play against is it phoenix at least like twice but there is some new spice in the deck list or there is some new cards at least right yeah there one is one in particular
0: one very good one in particular um this is a card that... Uh, actually, I saw a couple new cards that I was pretty excited about. But obviously, the one you're talking about is Ledger Shredder. Mm-hmm. This card... Uh, in, in, if you play paper, if you're in the paper world, it was about 50 to 75 cents at the very beginning. And then within a week or so, it jumped up like... I don't know how many percent. But now it's like $10. That's how... F- yeah. like in, in like a couple days span... Everyone bought this card. It is... It's on
1: Magic Online. It's like $50 or
0: something. That's insane. People are joking about how in Double Masters there should be a Ledger Shredder reprint. Because this card... <laughs> like... <laughs> it's it's insane. Um, lucky for us at Arena, we don't have to worry about reprints or any shit like that. Because okay. everything costs the same. Fuck yeah. Um... So if you don't remember, Ledger Shredder is the the two mana one three flyer that whenever you, uh, a player plays their second spell, it connives. Ugh. I remember this card getting some
1: hype when it was previewed, though. So I'm surprised to to hear that it came out the gates at like fifty cents. But in this, they previewed it on like a preview stream or whatever, and I remember the chat just going wild at this one. Um, but then again, they go crazy about everything. So Yeah.
0: It's Oh my God, the <laughs> full art lands look amazing. Which to be fair, they well, usually could, do, but like
1: <laughs> Oh my god, this counterspell that gives your opponent two treasures, that's busted.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's the one where if that happened, you'd be like, what the fuck is going on?
1: <laughs> yeah, so is it Phoenix topped out the the percentage of the fields? It it doesn't look too different, but Ledger Shredder is sort of a big part of it. Kind of taking the, like, Sprite Dragon role, it used mm-hmm. to be, these decks either used to, like, play Sprite Dragon or some of them decided not to and, uh, you know, there's this whole debate and I think Ledger is just ending the debate. It's like, play this one mm-hmm. if, if you want another creature in your deck.
0: Yeah, because um. the thing about Ledger Shredder is that, like, it does Dragon Rage Chandler's job as well as the Sprite Dragon. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you end up not having a Dragon Rage Chandler, like... When you're playing, if you're just playing your deck the way that you want to play your deck, which is play a bunch of spells, um, you're going to be dumping stuff in the graveyard and you're going to get your Delirium on if you need that for your Dragon Rage Chandler or you're obviously going to be putting Arc-like in your in your graveyard. So, I don't know. It just does everything you want and Sprite Dragon was just there as like a backup plan almost that was like, hey, I get big and that's about it.
1: Right. And Sprite Dragon always had a window where it like gets Lightning Helixed or whatever mm-hmm. and Um, this one doesn't, it doesn't have haste obviously, but I think generally it's just a straight upgrade for the deck. And a lot of the pros felt like it was already one of the best decks. Um, we've spoken about this a few times on the show, but these types of decks that lend themselves to making a lot of tough decisions, uh, pros tend to gravitate towards those because they get a bigger edge out of playing a deck like this than, you know, if I just picked it up and I haven't really played it before. Um so these decks are always kind of overrepresented in these types of tournaments. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I th- I think it was sort of no surprise, is it Phoenix? I think everyone knew it was probably the deck to beat. And it was the deck to beat at, at 31% of the field. And the next
0: deck, of course, is gonna be Golgari Food, 17.9% of the field. So drastic drop right after thirty point eight or er, sorry, thirty point nine. But um it's still... This was
1: the shocker for me. I thought yeah. this one would have been a lot closer to that number
0: one spot. And, uh, woof, it didn't, you know... It, it's just crazy to see, like, how many people wanted to play Is It Phoenix. But, like, in my mind, most of the time, I think the Golgari food matchup are just, like, just so annoying and rude. Like, it's the one I'm always hoping I don't have to play against. I'm like, please don't be... Like, if I play Historic, I'm like, please don't be... The food deck. I don't want to play against that. Um, where I am, yeah. pro- I'm just ready for Phoenix. So
1: if I were qualified for this tournament, there's basically no chance I don't bring Golgari food. I think mm. that to me, that's just the best deck in the format. Um, it's just like every card costs one mana. It's, it's so stupid. Yeah, it's great. Um, <laughs> and Cat Oven is a, is a dumb combo to have. That that I think the format would just be better without. Cat Oven in it, but if they're gonna let me play Cat Oven, I'm gonna play Cat Oven, and so, um, yeah, I would have been on Golgari Food, or more realistically, I would have like talked myself into playing Rakdos, which is just a worse, worse version of Golgari Food. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just like the every card is so good, and it all costs one mana. This this would have been my my choice, which is kind of probably why I say I'm just so surprised to see it at only eighteen percent, because um you know people like to say you can hate on it but you can't really it's not as easy as it seems like graveyard hate is not good against the cat (laughs) it's just it's not really unless it's like rest in peace but that's committing a lot to yeah to beating one card
0: in the deck it's like the best card against this deck is culling ritual which is the card you play for the mirror so (laughs) right you know (laughs) exactly yeah (laughs) you have to play this deck to play the best card to beat this deck so um Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) yeah um the uh the next most popular deck is my favorite it might not be the best but it's definitely my favorite uh azoriasauras comes in at 11.7 percent of the metagame um how does this deck beat food that that's my main question that's the thing that's why i hate it
1: i feel like you the block sacking is just so annoying against you against like azoriasauras because lifelink no longer matters Mm -hmm. you have to somehow have make them have trample or flying
0: um, it's usually it's usually the thing is you you have flying or you play the um, the two mana one that uh, makes it so they're unblockable, um, but because right,
1: flying isn't
0: even a shoe in when you
1: have the goose.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, goose
1: like Lurus thing.
0: <laughs> the uh, the problem with auras against this deck is that they once again are playing calling ritual, which also fucks up auras. So <laughs> you know
1: like. <laughs> It's like, oh, thanks, I, I put this in to beat people who brought this same deck as I did, but I guess it's also really, really good <laughs> against you. Yeah. Yeah,
0: that's nice. So uh, you can usually, you, you can cheese them out sometimes, but, like, if the game goes too long, which most matchups for auras, if the game goes too long, you you lose. Um, <laughs> and this one is really good at doing that, so,
1: look, Right, it's kind of similar food and auras in the sense that both can, like, operate on two lands. You know, they both, it's all one-drops. Mm-hmm. But food is the, the long game. Like, yeah. they'll win almost any log game, and mm-hmm. auras will win. Has to win quickly. Mm-hmm. But people love auras. Like, auras always comes up with a higher percentage of the field than I think they will in these tournaments. Like, people just
0: enjoy this style of deck. It's so fun. It's so fun. Um Too bad runes and auras did uh, bad in this <laughs> tournament, but I just want it so that like, no, like nobody plays it, and so then it, it like comes out of nowhere and then wins um, something. I remember
1: a brief window when Auras was the best. Probably the best, or or t- at least tier one in his story. I
0: also remember that time. Oh.
1: <laughs> it was a brief, like, two-week window, but it was... I, I remember it, because this phenomenon you described where you're, like, hoping it's not food I remember queuing in and hoping it wasn't auras. Um, Because I just played decks that tended to have a hard time with... It was like a lot of spot removal type decks, and I really hated having to always worry about Karametra's Blessing or whatever. Oh, I
0: love Karametra's Blessing so much. Anyway, sorry. I... I talk too much on this podcast about how I like Azorius. Azor- so let's go <laughs> to another Azorius deck. Azorius Affinity is uh, 9.4% of the field.
1: Which I think if you want to play an Azorius Aggro deck, this would have been my choice. But
0: Yeah, Affinity?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think it's also fun. Like, if you can play uh, Esper Sentinel, no matter what, like I'm just going to have a good time. Like, I love Esper Sentinel, so.
1: <laughs> Sometimes this deck just messes me up, man, when I play against Affinity, and then I'm like, i can't tell if your deck is good or not because sometimes you mess me up and sometimes you don't really do anything Mm -hmm. um but that's just i guess what affinity sort of always like
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, because they need a bunch of stuff to make their deck really good
1: but i think this deck doesn't get enough respect because when it's like when it draws even half decent like, it's a serious clock, and it can, I think, push a little further into the long game if it has to than Auras can. Mm-hmm. It's a little less, uh, like, Auras is kind of all in on the draw card creatures. And if you kill those, you're going to win if you can consistently kill the the Spirit Dancer type cards. Whereas Affinity is like, I feel like they have a wider array of threats that must be answered
0: i agree i think that's definitely like, true
1: like it does feel stupid when your opponent slams like a flyer that draws them two cards for one mana you're like well that really felt that, like it should have cost
0: a lot more than that was <laughs> that okay i don't think that's fair uh, no, no 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 they're cheating <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> judge yeah, judge <laughs> in your house you're yelling judge. <laughs> nobody's around you bro um but let's keep going. A lot of these decks ended up not doing extremely well in the tournament. Um, with the ones we just talked about, uh, I'm just jumping to, to win rates, but uh, spoiler alert, uh, is it Phoenix? 47.4%, not super great. Aura is 422 not great. Ooh, um, so that's real, real bad. But Gulgari Food <laughs> was 56, and then uh, Affinity is 54. So those are, you know, Obviously you want to be above fifty percent, but like through all the decks of this weekend, like uh after after that kind of grouping of stuff, we start to go off, we get Arcanist, but then like the real ones that ended up performing really well, as usual, not that many people brought them. So, you know, those that kind of like skews right. the numbers a little bit. But it is a deck that like it's playing great cards that like are great in alchemy. They got, like, nerfed a little bit, so people stopped playing them, maybe. But Celestia Humans, like, any green-white deck ended up being amazing. And Celestia Humans and Celestia Enchantress, which really makes me mad, because how does this this, this white-green deck do better than the, <laughs> the white-blue Enchantress? I guess deck. it has
1: one more of the...
0: Enchantress cards?
1: ...important cards, right? With the, mm-hmm. And and a a much better one because the that, that card's better than Sram by a lot.
0: You shut your dirty mouth. <laughs> no, I know, but it costs two colors. It's so much better if it costs one. Anyway, um,
1: <laughs> Temple Garden, man.
0: Temple. Garden. The uh, the card I was talking about is Inquisitor Captain, of course. Uh, still really good, still strong, uh, still does work. Got uh, a couple decks into the uh, top eight, so.
1: Yeah, no. This is where I would sort of prefer. Like, or not prefer, it'd be cool to see a win rate matrix like we used to get. Mm-hmm. Because I can't imagine Celestia Humans ever beating Golgari Food. I don't know how you ever lose that matchup from the Food side. It's just a dumb creature deck, right? So I can imag- I imagine that Celestia Humans was built to kind of pick on Is It Phoenix? Because like Thalia, you know, all this stuff, it's traditionally very, very good against mm-hmm. spell slinger type decks. But I don't see how you beat the food deck. The food deck just eats creature decks alive. So I think this might be... Uh, my hypothesis would be that there's just not that many Celestnia decks here and they did a decent job of dodging food because food showed up at only 18% of the metagame. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the people who made, built, took these decks made a bet that there was going to be a lot more Phoenix than food. And, were and they wanted for the for making that deck.
0: Yeah, because it, it becomes really rough when your collected company deck and Inquisitor Captain start wanting to play like Portable Hole and Tormod's script and like Unlicensed right. Hearse. When you're like, okay, well, I gotta do something about this graveyard stuff slash get rid of ovens and everything.
1: And like we mentioned, that kind of stuff's not even that good against food, right? Yeah. Like, it's so hard to hit a cat with a an unlicensed hurt style of. Uh, Unlicensed her style of effect mm-hmm. because if the food player hasn't a food, <laughs> then, <laughs> then it doesn't work. Yeah, <laughs> so, so if they, the you food have deck <laughs> has a food token, it's not like that being you know their way out is not a place you want to be. You,
0: you have to hope that they screw up basically, um, right? And
1: also, not a place you want to be in the set championship tournament. That's so just hoping your opponent doesn't understand how the food cat, like...
0: Exactly. There's just, like, no way that that's gonna happen. Like...
1: Right, yeah. Like, I'm playing against David Inglis. Like, I'm just not gonna expect him to mess up.
0: (laughs) Exactly. It does look like the Celestia Enchantress deck is playing, like, nine lives, rest in peace stuff. Um, mm -hmm. So it's... And, like, the Solemnity nine lives combo, um, which is definitely not the type of deck that I'm interested in playing. Uh, (laughs) So... But does that beat? Does that beat a cat?
1: Because the cat makes you lose life.
0: It does not. Ooh.
1: Right. So I just don't see how you beat the food deck. <laughs> um, and I think uh, i like I know the meat hook massacre also makes you lose life. So the it doesn't really care about nine lives. I don't think.
0: Yeah, I guess it's of course ju- the
1: cat deck doesn't care about nine lives. Come on. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's really just like. That one main deck rest in peace that they're hoping to draw, um, and solemnity helps a little bit against the uh, the squirrels. But like, yeah, I don't, I I think you're right.
1: I don't even know if you bring that in, like that's a little dodgy.
0: Well, I mean, that's your that's your um, main deck plan, but
1: know, you might side it out. I don't know.
0: Yeah, yeah. In, in any case. Um, Yeah, I think you're right. Though, it is funny talking to you and you were mentioning how Zachary Keeney just plays the best decks in Standard and Historic. And over the last two weeks, you did say you wanted to play Esper Midrange last week in in Standard. And you did say you want to play Golgari Food in Historic. So, you know. um, Hey, I
1: wasn't trying to throw shade. (laughs) Although I think I was saying if I wanted to win, I'd play those, but I would somehow convince myself to play something else. But I'd probably be on like Rakdos in both formats somehow.
0: <laughs> Rakdos <laughs> Anvil in both formats.
1: <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> that's my whole, if you look at my, you know, deck lists in Arena, it's all just Rakdos Anvil in various formats.
0: So. Um, I wish I could see those, but, um, you know, you they can't share them with me or you can't share them with me. So Arena, fix yeah, right. that. Let, let me see my friends' deck lists um and just like creep them how how great would that be (laughs) anyway yeah I mean like
1: every other game I've played you can just check the leaderboards of the rankings which you can't do in this but not only can you check who's like ranked mythic in the client you can see what deck they're playing (laughs) like
0: or if it's any other game like what build they made or like what character they're playing or
1: totally yeah like that that's just a feature that people kind of expect from their games but we don't have
0: yeah we have to uh find them on twitter somehow because they posted that they're number one mythic anyway which i
1: believe is a requirement if you hit number one mythic you must post on twitter
0: well yeah because otherwise it didn't happen right because Mm -hmm. by the time that you uh try to post it you've probably be you've probably been dethroned so yeah exactly uh, you do have to take a picture in any case most of the time we're a very positive podcast but this week i have some (laughs) gripes okay i got some things to talk about uh, and we talked about them and it's over now. I'm just enjoying my potato pilsner right now. <laughs> and I was just scanning
1: through the lists by the way, and showed it Yasuoka played Is It Phoenix in Historic? No Ledger Shredders. <laughs> He's on Sprite Dragon. It's like four Dragons Rage Chandler, two Sprite Dragon, two Crackling Drake, four Phoenix and two Stormwing Entity.
0: That seems crazy to me. I just love where you're just like <laughs> Nope, I'm not gonna do the new thing. <laughs> yeah.
1: You know what he was like? He was like, I don't want to like craft four ledger shreds. (laughs) Wait, but don't they get god accounts, right? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, but like, oh, to 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 test the craft button. Oh,
0: yeah, 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 totally. Um, Yeah, I think the other card I liked seeing was the um, symmetry symmetry sage, uh, which yeah,
1: Mike Sigrist was playing that. Yeah, and
0: and um, who else was playing it? Uh, LSV was playing it too. And, um... Uh, they're probably on very similar lists. Cause I they're think they're... been tested together. Yeah, I think they're probably very much the same. Um, mm-hmm. But it was just fun to see that card do work because anything that has counters, it gets really buff with that, um, specifically Ledger Shredder. So, uh, there are a few games where they are just like, oh, yeah, I don't need anything else. I'm just gonna kill you with Ledger Shredders and Symmetry Sages and fuck you. And I just... I do enjoy those kinds of things where it's like, yeah, this isn't the main point of the deck, but uh, it happens to also destroy you. So it's like if you get to kill somebody in auras with like a, a selfless savior. <laughs>
1: and it works with the channeler too, right? Like it would make it a 5-5 five, because five the delivery mm-hmm. gives it plus two, plus two.
0: Yeah. Anyway, Jeff, uh, because of this tournament, have you been, do you feel revitalized to, to embrace Historic more since we haven't played in a while?
1: Um. No.
0: All right, that's it. That, uh, that's what I thought you were gonna say. So I was just, you know, yeah. wondering.
1: <laughs> I want to be hyped. I want to be hyped, and it was cool to watch. Um, but I still feel like I, I'm more interested in playing Explorer as mm-hmm. far as like, a, uh, just because it's so new. And this, if this format was wildly shaken up or something, you know, I'd probably be jumping in. But the fact that it feels like I'm mostly gonna play against all the same decks that I'm used to. Um, I probably won't jump in until uh, it gets shaken up again this summer.
0: Which it will. It's this is the you know We're talking about how boring it is right now, but once we get into July, it's uh, there's 250 plus cards just going straight into this thing. So, um, after, and to be
1: clear, this is like a totally healthy metagame. Right? Yeah, it's like okay, so there are two top decks, one of them was more than the other and, but didn't end up doing well. So who knows how it's going to come out Mm. of things. And then like four solid, you know, next runner ups that all around the sort of six to 10% range. That's a totally fine metagame. So when we say boring, we don't mean like it's, it's in a really bad spot. It's just that it's the same as it was before. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, So uh, if you are enjoying it now, love it while it lasts. i Feel like they are gonna do something like the we haven't seen so baldur's gate we don't talk about this in magic news because um it isn't really pertaining to us that much but baldur's gate previews are happening right now um, for commander players uh the only reason we aren't really mentioning it is because i know when they bring it to arena they're going to rebalance a bunch of cards for 1v1 instead of like commander stuff so a lot of the cards we're seeing right now could easily not have anything to do with us so
1: right it's hard to just speculate on what changes they're going to make because every time we try to speculate on what cards they're going to nerf in alchemy they uh they make them better <laughs> <deserve it>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so uh we'll, we'll see what happens with that and um everything this summer but uh you know i thought standard was completely solved and uh, turns out it's not that's so it's so cool uh i'm i was just this this tournament went very differently than what i thought it was going to go and i'm just really happy with how everything is right now
1: yeah i'd say i was more inspired to play standard from this event Mm -hmm. historic actually
0: absolutely i've been playing a lot more standard so um because i
1: thought standard would be the same as it was before you know mm -hmm. as i thought it was and historic might be different and it was actually the opposite
0: yeah yeah maybe we should have started with that (laughs) that sounds like a really (laughs) good take perfect Anyway, Jeff, um, do you have any last thoughts for uh, Historic before we move on?
1: No, just, I guess, the only decks that we didn't talk much about are blue-white control decks, which have sort of been a part of Historic since its inception. Uh, people played them. They s- some people did well, and some people did not do well. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, in particular, Jeskai got, like, 55%, which is great, and Azorius got 35%, but, you know, small sample size and all that. Yeah. Who knows? It could be a which players brought them kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, there's still still those control decks there that uh, always seem to, if not, like, they're always in the mix, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, even if they're not Tier 1.
0: Anyway, Jeff, let's go to Last Call. Yeah, let's do it. All right, so, as always, we rate all of our beers on a scale of Bronze to Mythic, um, but... Uh, it has nothing to do with what tier you are currently in on the uh, the ladder in arena. It's just a fun way to to rate beer so don't feel bad when we talk about how horrible bronze beers are They are trash they're the worst you got to pour them out you can't even finish drinking them uh, you almost throw up honestly
1: uh, yeah silver
0: beers are
1: basically beers that just aren't exciting not a lot going on all of your typical Molson Canadian or Coors Light for people that don't no Molson Canadian, uh, (laughs) tend to fall into this category.
0: Gold beers are fine, but you won't really drink them that often.
1: Platinum beers are one step up from that, basically. They are totally solid, and you'd have them again.
0: Diamond beers are exceptional. You would recommend these to one of your friends. Bring them to a party. And Mythic, of course, these are the best of the best.
1: You would, you know, these are the beer that you always recommend to people or the one that
0: if you see it, you know you're going to get it. That's right. All right, Jeff. Do you have a pick for this evening? <laughs> we have two very non-Arena regular beers tonight. Um, That's right. Very exciting. The we have either... Double double lager episode, you know. Double so. lager and our potato pills.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's there. <Pilesner>, yeah. <laughs>
0: um all right do you have your pick i do all right i'm just gonna i got it all right here we go three two one potato hey. pills outer, outer edges, edges. I, was like, I was just gonna
1: say potato <laughs> pilsner it's like wait i think the beer
0: had a name no. outer edges outer so. edges all right so we picked the polish potato pilsner potato that's right let's talk about this guy um i don't have a ton to say uh, I, I thought it was great. I thought it tastes like a nice, like good Pilsner, strong flavor. Um, exactly what I'm, I'm thinking and looking for in a Pils. Uh, and it didn't feel too, uh, too skunky or anything.
1: Yeah. It's delivered what it promised. I don't know if I can necessarily pick out that potato is used in this. I don't know if potato Pilsner is like a style of Polish potato Pilsner. Maybe. Or just something they were having some fun with. Um, but I, I'd be lying if I said that, you know, I could tell you this was a potato Pilsner without them telling me it was a potato Pilsner. Um, but I thought it's a Pilsner that Mm -hmm. has a little more flavor than I'm used to out of that style. So maybe that's, that, that's what's coming from the potato. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, totally fine.
0: It's good. Um,
1: that being said, I, I think I'm on platinum for this. That's what Um, I was gonna say. Okay,
0: you said fine, and so I got worried for a second. I was like, oh, I was gonna say platinum. Is he gonna say gold? Um, (laughs) No, I also thought Um, it was platinum. (laughs) I threw up. Uh, No, (laughs) this is uh, platinum. You know, uh, pilsners for me. I know people that are like really intense about pilsners. They're pilsner guys, just like what's his face in uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine, and um, yeah, Ted. Uh, I am not one of those people, but uh, usually pilsners or something. I'm like can be hit or miss on, and this is a hit for sure. So, I like it.
1: Yeah, I'd say uh, that's fair.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, fantastic. Let's go to the beer you brought this week. Hellas brought Hellas bra- Hell Brock, Hellas bug. <laughs> just
1: we we just can't talk about this beer apparently because we can't say it.
0: Oh
1: so <laughs> <No, right>? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you said I said Lag- Lager. Lager.
0: Um, um, Anyway, Helles Bach Strong Lager.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I I liked it, um, but mainly because it was strong. It was 7%. I liked that part of it. The rest of it felt like a, a lager. Um, but the fact that it was... Um, give me a, a nice little... was good. I liked, you know, it was nice.
1: Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I will say that strong lager is exactly what it is. It tastes like a lager. And then... Uh, it tastes like alcohol. So mm-hmm. it's like a lager that's just been kicked up with extra alcohol, and it tastes like that. Um, that being said, I don't think that it's great. Like, I don't think that's that great, but I enjoyed it. I didn't hate it. So um, this time, I, I think I actually do think it's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, this To me, this kind of has to meet the description of fine, but mm-hmm. I probably won't drink this again.
0: I, I think I agree that this is definitely fine. It, for a collective arts thing, I would expect a little bit more. And um, honestly, if I'm going to drink a strong lager, I might just drink some of that Polish stuff we had that time. Um, just the uh, just any beer that says strong beer, uh, this is yeah. in the same grouping as that. And I could just get one of those instead. So
1: Right. Now, this one, I don't remember if that one was seven. So this one is quite strong.
0: That That's one, so I think that one... It was like 6.5 or something, so.
1: Right, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's how I feel is sort of in the... This, this is, was a gold for me. Um, yep. So there's nothing wrong with it, but uh, realistically, for, you know, reasons you just described, I probably won't drink this again. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Yeah, I think I agree with you. I probably would drink it again, but I'm going to keep it at gold, so whatever. Um, platinums and golds this week.
1: Whoo. Low scores for
0: collective arts. <laughs> Low scores for collective arts, but higher than I was thinking for these styles, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we do try our best not to only only pick the styles that we like over and over again, uh, and pilsners and loggers tend to be ones that we're not really uh, most fond of. So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: hey, we, we do it for you, you know? That's right. <laughs> it is closing time, Jeff. You can always find us at Arena Regulars on Twitter and Instagram.
1: You may also see us on MTG Arena playing some of the sweet new decks we saw this past weekend under the username Arena Regulars Podcast. Give us a sticker.
0: <laughs> if you want to talk to me personally, you can find me at Zulberg, that is Z E U L B E R G on Twitter and Instagram. But Jeff, where can they find you?
1: I am on Twitter. I am at Blues, brews, MTG,
0: MTG. Also, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes. Follow us on Spotify and give us a re- review there as well. Go to our Patreon. Vote to see if, you know, you want us to be on the uh, the World Championship or whatever. That's not going to happen, but maybe we'll talk about it at some point. Uh, and uh, you, maybe you buy us a couple beers. Anyway, uh, we love hearing feedback, even the ones that seem to be not so nice. Um... We're looking at you, uh, who who don't like our beer content. <laughs> so, but uh, you know, they, all, they've already stopped
1: listening. Yeah, yeah,
0: all all uh, <laughs> all the criticism and and compliments are welcome. Uh, we just want to make the show the best we can, so we'd love all the feedback we can get. This has been the Arena Regulars,
1: reminding you not to sleep through the tournament this weekend, because if you don't, you just might win it.
0: Good night. All right, that's fine.